Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Well, I just looked outside. We're not going anywhere right now. Can if you want, but I wouldn't advise it. You know, we talk, we talk all the time about how when God works in the spiritual, there's always something that usually takes place in the natural first. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. As soon as Barry said, just take a moment and be quiet and reflect. And then the monsoon rain began to pour. Well, let me tell you, when it rains like that, any sediment, anything that was standing all of a sudden gets washed away and it's removed. To where you're all, all that's left is you're just soaked and saturated by the goodness of the Lord. So just like that rain pours on the roof of this building, the goodness of God pours out over each and every single one of you. And he washes away all of those things that he just doesn't want. You know, it's one thing for us to know we don't want those things in our life. It's a whole other thing for him to address them. Because when God pinpoints his finger on them, guess what? It is removed and it is cast into the sea of darkness and to never return to it again. So just allow the word of God just to uh, this morning just to pour over you. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, your word that goes forth, it does not return void, Father, but, but it's, a, it's a two-edged sword, God, that, that penetrates to the de- depth of our souls and our spirit. Father, we just release the word of God to be effective today in what you've, what you've caused it to do in our lives. Father, that you would prepare our hearts for the, for the word that's coming forth, Lord, that we would learn and that we would understand. And Father, that we would be encouraged as we look, in, look to your word. And Father, we just release your presence in this place to do whatever you want to do. And help us not to get in the way of what you're wanting to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, last week, uh, Brother Husto was here. So we've been covering, uh, going through Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, which is the basic foundation doctrines uh, uh, in the Bible. So these are six uh, different things that the Bible communicates as the basic Christian principles, the basic foundation of our faith. So I'm going to recap shortly because I know we took a week off. How many of you guys know when you go on spring break and then you come back? I remember you said something, but I don't remember what you said. But for those that do remember, I'm just going to help solidify what, I, what I've, we've preached the, the previous week. So Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So uh, when, we, when we go through this process, we look at from beginning to end, this co- really covers the, the basis of the beginning of our salvation experience coming to know who the Father is all the way to the end when we talk about resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So when we talk about resurrection of the dead, for that to happen, you got to be dead. So your life here on the earth has ended. And, and we'll look today because that's the one we're going to look at, resurrection of the dead. But we, we look at once that point happens, everything we've done here in this lifetime is over. 
It's just a response to what we've done here on this, on this earth and the decisions that we made are that are going to determine the outcome of the rest of that story. So if we look at the beginning, when we talk about repentance from dead works, so that was the first, the first one. And what that is, it is a changing of your mind. It's a turning away from sin. It's not just sitting there playing with the sin or, or just rationalizing and saying, oh, it's okay, sin's not that bad. It's a completely seeing the sin as God sees it, turning away from it and completely walking a different direction. A complete change of mind. And, and that's what we need in our, in our lives is for God to re- reveal these things that don't please him, but that we would see them as he sees them, as, as wicked and deceitful and ugly and filthy, rather than just saying, ah, it's not that bad. I could be doing, you fill in the blank, right? And have you ever been guilty of doing that? Every one of us at some point, right? Because the, the, the ultimate goal is I'm comparing myself to Becky or Becky's comparing herself to me rather than realizing that the ultimate standard is who? God. Christ, his standard that he set while he was here on the earth. And for his standard, every single one of us falls short of the glory of God, deserving death. So it's seeing that sin, it's turning away. It, it, it's true repentance, okay? So then you have true repentance, then you have faith towards God. So repentance and faith, faith is the second thing. So faith is really connected right next to repentance. It's faith towards or in God or towards God. So we gotta remember that you know faith is, is the key to pleasing God simply because God said it. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So and it requires faith to believe unto Christ. Without, you, can't just, you can't just repent and not have faith. You can't have faith and not repent. It's like the peanut butter and jelly of the salvation message. You got to have both. You have to repent and you also have to have faith in Christ. Not in our own works that, that one of us might be able to boast. It's a free grace gift of God that only God can give. And he gives to whoever asks. Instructions about baptisms was the next one. So the, the, the instructions about, about baptisms, we covered two of them. The one that we're mostly familiar with within the church is water baptism. We talked about as a church, we believe in full immersion of, of, of water baptism. The, the word baptismo, which means to immerse, to dunk, to submerge. So here at this church, we believe in full immersion. And just like we baptize in water, it says instructions about baptisms that's plural. So it's in reference to more than one baptism. So the two baptisms we focused on was water baptism, but also baptism of the Holy Spirit. So baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like water baptism, you are completely immersed. We believe that by the Holy Spirit, you are completely immersed by the presence of God to where when he comes in, everything else goes out. There's not a room for both. Okay. So baptisms. Then we talked about the laying on of hands. So the laying on of hands is one of those things that... Uh, it, we, we talked about seeing it as a transference of something. It's something that, that I receive from God and I, can, and I can place my hands on you and give you the gifts that God has given me. It's not that our hands are mystical. It's not like we, you know, this anointing oil has supernatural power. It's the power of God released in faith. Okay, so, and it's just a transference. It's like if what God has, what God has freely given me, I can also give to you. And the model and the principle all through the word of God that he uses is the placing on, laying on of hands. And that's something, you know, we talked about, that's something we do on a regular basis. You see somebody, you haven't seen them in a long time, shake their hand, you put their hand on their shoulder. It's something that's very common, physical touch, but understanding the power transference that can happen when Father God transfers a gift through someone and releases it to somebody else. We talked about that, you know, the, 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 the reasons that, uh, 
laying on of hands is often used is to impart blessing, authority, healing, impartation of the Holy Spirit, and commissioning of ministers. So when they placed people in offices, uh, placed kings, they, they placed hands on people, okay? Whew. All right, you got it? If you need more clarification, you can go to our podcast and listen to all of those online if you want the full version. You're like, Noe, why don't you just preach like that from now on and we can get out of here in 10 minutes, <laughs> right? She's like, man, you just covered five, what is it, four concepts in like almost five minutes. Now we'll drag it out. I'm just playing. We'll talk as long as we need to. One thing that, uh, that I really believe is that God wants you being, being uh, challenged by the word of God. And I know, uh, and I'm not judging any churches or I'm not talking down, but I believe, you know, I really prayed. Becky and I prayed about when we took over pastor in here, how much word is enough word? Because you hear people say, oh, 15 minute service, 20 minute service, an hour till Jesus comes. You know, there's a, there's a huge array of how long do you preach? One thing I've, I'm committed to, I never want to water down the word part of it because I want to make sure that you're getting plenty of the word because this is what will drastically change your life forever, okay? So how long do you preach, Noe? Till God tells me I'm done. I try to be courteous, but at the same time, you know, God gives me instruction throughout the week and I feel I need to share what I need to share. If he, gives me, if he redirects me in the middle of it, I will stop preaching right away and we'll get out of here, okay? But I want to make sure that we're, we're being obedient to the word of God, we're being challenged by the word of God, and we can say that this is a church that the word of God is being preached. Sometimes more than I would like, just be real, right? If you're having a, if you didn't get much sleep or whatever, but that we will be a church that preaches the word of God and we, and we let the word, the word of God teach us and guide us. So this week we're going to look at resurrection of the dead. So if you fall asleep on me, I'll walk up and shake you and we will resurrect the dead this morning, okay? All right, so resurrection of the dead, it's critically important because we have to understand that if there was no resurrection of Christ, then there can be no guarantee of a resurrection of us at the end of our life. Okay, so what we're going to look at, we're going to look at first Christ's resurrection because that is the model and the guarantee of the resurrection and hope of the promise that we can have. Now, when you start talking about the resurrection of Christ, eternal judgments, which are the last two, you can get so deep into concepts, you will get lost forever. The rapture, the second coming of Christ, you know, the thousand years on the earth. How many of you have never read Revelations? Have never read it? How many of you have read it? And you felt like you didn't read it after you got finished with it, maybe. It is a very challenging book, but it talks about end time concepts. It talks about what we can expect at the end of time as, as we near the end of when Christ returns for his bride. Okay, so we have to have an understanding that, you know, as the church, we understand that there's this timeline. God is working through this timeline and there's different times that different things will happen. So I started thinking this week, I said, you know, God is not asking me as a basic Christian doctrine to explain the rapture, the thousand years, all of the plagues. What he wants us to understand is the basic principle when it says the basic foundations, because you can't go from an elementary principle to these complex things. The thing, the, the takeaway from today is that if Christ raised from the dead, we have a hope and promise that when we die, we will also rise again. That's the baseline basic concept of, of the takeaway of what the message is going to be focused on today. So we have to understand that, you know, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, 
then we really are facing a broken gospel and the whole basis of our belief system is false. Think about it. We remove, remove the resurrection. Might as well not have Easter or we'll just, it'll be all about the eggs then. Because the whole basis of Easter is what? A resurrected king. Not one that lived and died and stayed in the ground, but the resurrection. You know, there was, there, and that is the, the highlight pinnacle of everything. That's when the work was finished. That's when it was complete. You know, he was on the cross and, you know, he took his last breath and he said, it is finished. But they went into extra innings until he came back is the best way to look at that. And when he, when he rose from the dead, all of the work was completed. Everything had been, the atonement had been, had been made for us. The price had been paid. We talked about the blood this morning. The blood sacrifice was paid. The punishment for our iniquities was paid once and for all. So if we take the resurrection out, man, it really just waters down the whole message. So, so salvation is based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know, anytime I try to lead somebody in a salvation prayer, man, you better make sure there's a resurrection in there. Well, I believe in Jesus. You know, that's fine to believe in Jesus. There's many people be that believe in Jesus, but there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus, but that he did not raise from the dead. We have to understand the basis for our belief system, and that changes everything. Because if I have a supernatural God that can, can raise from the dead and he can bring dead things to life, there's nothing that he cannot do. We have to understand that he is a more than enough God, and he's proven it by his death, burial, and his resurrection. So if we, if we stop short of the resurrection, you know, it would really be, you know, uh, how many of you guys have ever watched a TV show? I know Netflix is real popular where you will binge watch all the way through it. You know, the equivalent of no resurrection would be getting to the place where you're watching this every episode, every episode, every episode, you get to the end and you're like, Dot, 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 you get the, the horrible last dot, dot, dot to be continued. And it's heartbreaking because that you were, there was so much anticipation. But I use that illustration to say that this was not a to be continued process. It played out in its full. The work was completed. We see the end of this, that there was a resurrection. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So this morning, we're really going to cover a lot of Scripture. So I'm going to read a lot to you. We'll have it uh, pulled up front. I'm going to read from the NIV. That's just the, the, the one I have here. If you have it in another translation, it may highlight a few other things. But just uh, so what I'm reading and what you're reading up here, if you don't have your word, it'll be consistent. So if we look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, uh, it, we're gonna, like I said, we're going to use the Scripture for all of the framework there's so much content that talks about the resurrection of the dead. I think that really this morning I got to do very little. I just want to communicate to you what the Word of God says, and then we'll kind of frame some of these ideas from the Scripture rather than me making any interpretation of what it means. So right there in verse 13, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, it says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Okay, so then it's going to begin to break down the hope for which we believe. Verse 14, it says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Okay, according to, to the Lord's own word, we tell you that, 
that we who are still alive, uh, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what is he saying there? He says, those who have died first are going to be the first ones to rise, but the ones that are alive, when Jesus comes back, they're not going to be forgotten. It's just a, He's trying to explain the process of how this is going to happen. Verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Okay, we're going to, we, we read all through scripture that, you know, when Jesus went back to be with his father in Acts, the disciples or the apostles or whoever it was, they watched him and they, they kind of watched him go into heaven and he went into a cloud and he disappeared and they were just standing there gazing at the sky. And then one of, the, one of the disciples says, hey, don't you know that he's going to come back the same way that he came? You know, and I know that there's been accusations that, oh, you know, Jesus is back. He's already here. You know, I believe that when Jesus shows up, you guys just heard the thunder, right? <laughs> there will be no denying that he showed back up. Everybody will know, even those who have no understanding of who Jesus is. And at that moment, it's going to be a very fearful time for those who didn't believe in a return of a risen king. Okay, so the way that he came, so that means he's, he went up to heaven and he's going to descend. He's going to come down from heaven. Okay, so let's keep going through this passage. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. In Texas, it might be a yeehaw, here I come, right? You know, like whatever it is to get our attention for whatever we're doing with a loud command. Everyone is going to notice. I believe that the earth is going to shake by the power of the Lord when he returns at that moment. With a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. What does a trumpet sound like? Who can give me a trumpet impersonation so I don't blow out this mic? Nobody? Man, that's a weak trumpet, but okay, we'll take it. Okay, so the, this trumpet blast of that the return, I was thinking more like something like that, okay? But that this trumpet blast of the angel of God declaring the Lord has returned. He's come back just like he said he would. Okay, so he comes back and then what happens? So the trumpet call, this is what it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So what does that mean? If we're sitting right here, Whoever was buried before us is going to come up first. The dead in Christ, those who, who believed into Christ are going to be raised up first. Okay? And then verse 17, and it says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Okay? So this first context of passage, Jesus is going to come back. If we're a believer, it's going to be okay. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. But he's coming back for a spotless bride. He's coming back for people who, who believe in him. But you understand the context of what it's talking about. It says, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to not know and be fearful and to be afraid and to fear death because we never die. To those unto salvation shall live with me forever. You know, death is just the passing from this life to the next. It's where, it's where the physical man dies and, and the spiritual man is birthed, okay? So we, we have an understanding of that, you know, if he's going to come back, did it say that the dead would rise, right? He's not going to come back and the dead would stay dead, right? It says that those in Christ will be raised up with him. 
So let's look at one more passage. This other passage is really going to be a lot of the context that we cover. 1 Corinthians 15. So I'm going to cover bits and pieces of this just so I don't read you the whole chapter, but I would strongly encourage you, if you've never read all of chapter 15, do it as soon as possible. It'll really connect a lot of the dots, and it really focuses on the, the topic of resurrection of Christ and also resurrection of the dead. You know, I know a lot of times we want other people to explain stuff to us, but if we'll read the Word, there's so much explanation here. So if we look at that first part, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, so resurrection of Christ. So let's look at this first. Because I said that the importance is that if we didn't have a resurrection of Christ, there's no hope of a resurrection of us. But I gave you the, I kind of gave you the end of the story before we start direct going through the story. I kind of, the spoiler, I ruined it, sorry. Maybe I should have shared that last, but we have an understanding that at the end, he's going to come back in glorious splendor. All the world will know it and we'll be caught up with him. First, those who are dead and then, all, then those who are alive here on the earth and will reign with glory with him. So 1 Corinthians 15. Let's cover passages 1 through 8. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. It's so interesting to me that all through the word, it says, don't forget, let me remind you. I don't want you to be ignorant. Why, do, why does it always have that type of context? Because I really think we live in a culture, and God knew we were going to live in a place where we would so easily forget his promises. So it's almost like a shaking and understand what I'm saying this morning. You know, do not fret. Don't be fearful. It's going to be okay. You know, because we often put on this, this, this coat of fear and, and insecurity and, you know, the poor me attitude maybe sometimes. And we have to understand at the end of all this, it's going to be okay. And we're going we're gonna to be more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. So let's look at this passage. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. So the gospel, death, burial, resurrection, faith in Christ. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 3, it says, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. So this kind of sounds like a transference, right? Possibly a laying on a hand's impartation of something. Okay, it says, I pass on to you that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. See, if we notice a trend that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Man, you think he's wanting us to pay attention to the scriptures here, right? Okay, and then it says that he was buried, that he was raised and on the third day according to scriptures. <laughs> And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And then after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same times, more of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep, they, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. So this was Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians. So he wasn't a disciple. He was kind of like adopted. You know, he says it's not a normal, I didn't, I wasn't birthed into this family of God normally, so it's abnormal. But this is a huge, significant moment that it wasn't just a story, it wasn't just a fable, it wasn't just a fairy tale. When Jesus raised from the dead, he revealed himself to men. 
You know, you think of the story. He says, man, I'm not going to believe unless I see, I see, you know, I see the scars. I see his hands. And Jesus walks up and says, look at my hands. You see the scars that were pierced and all of these things. You know, he revealed himself to men. And I really think he did this to cover it, to say that it could not just be an accusation. It could not. He showed himself to 500 people at one time of those who were living. And from that, it spread across the face of the earth. It, t- it, it changed a fable into an absolute, something that maybe could have just been, man, he didn't write. Because think about it. What does the enemy want to remove from the equation? The resurrection. If he can remove the resurrection, he can dis- discombobble the whole belief system. But God made sure that there was no doubt that Jesus raised from the dead. And they tried, you know, the, some of, some of the... Uh, I think they got some people to lie about it. They said, hey, you know, the, the, uh, the guard just says, well, just say that, you know, somebody came and stole the body. So there was an attempt to cover the tracks of what Jesus had really done. But Father God made sure that there was abundance of witnesses and that the accuracy of, of what actually happened was factual and it was just not fable. So there's significance in, in revealing himself to that many people on different occasions. So we have to understand that Christ's resurrection is is the precursor to our resurrection. Without Christ's resurrection, we cannot believe the promise or we're not going to have a resurrection. But if Christ raised from the dead, we have that hope and promise that there is a resurrection. So I hope to establish that today. If you don't hear nothing, it says, man, no, he said Jesus got up, we're going to get up. If, all of the, if you get lost in, the, in a lot of the context of what I'm sharing, but make sure that's the takeaway. So Christ showed himself to Peter, the 12, 500 brothers of the faith at the same time, to all the apostles, and lastly to Paul. And that's all covered, verse, verse 5 through 8. Either we believe the word or we don't. Because I can say, well, how do you know that happened? Man, if that's going to be your take on the whole Bible, man, we're going to have to wait for faith to arise in you because I can't, t- I can't help you, encourage you in anything. Because we believe that the word of God, as said in scripture, is absolute truth inspired by God and gives us everything we need. And in that verse 11 of that same chapter, it says, and this is what we preach and this is what you believe. So there's another passage, Matthew 27, 51 through 53. You don't have to turn to it. We can pull it up on the screen, but I'll just share it with you. It says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So this is something that happened. So what was happening? This was when the death, burial, and resurrection, this is when the, the, the death on the cross became, uh, it released power into the earth. It says the earth shook and the rocks split. So listen to this next part. Verse 52, it says, the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people raised to life. And then verse 53, it says, they came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, They went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So it sounds exactly like what Jesus did. Man, I mean, you know, just think about sitting there, I don't know, eating lunch, and your buddy that passed away 10 years ago walks in and says, what are you doing? Man, I don't know. Power of God or something hit me because I came to life. And I'm right here before you. That there was evidence of a resurrection physical evidence of a resurrection. So we see something powerfully happen when, there, when, 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 when Christ's work was completed. 
Because the moment, because remember we said, you know, they didn't reveal themselves until they got to the place of where Jesus was resurrected. Now, I don't know what the heck they were doing, if they were dusting themselves off for too long or what. But it says once he was resurrected, because how long was he dead? When was the veil torn? Immediately when he said it is finished. And that power was released into the earth. So I don't know what in the world they were doing, but there was something about the order and what Jesus had to accomplish. This is beyond basic, so I'm not going to dig super deep into it. But Jesus had to do whatever he had to do to make sure everything was completed. And on the third day, he got up and there were many people that followed him and were raised from the dead also. So there was power released into the earth that had never been present until the resurrection of Christ. So we live on this side of it. So if that was available at that moment of the crucifixion and at that moment of when he said it is finished and it was released in the earth, is that power still available today? Absolutely. We still, first, we still serve a risen king. So glorified bodies were available following Christ's resurrection. You know, so we think about that. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, before Christ, you know, and there was no resurrection, you know, what happens to all the people, you know, the, you know, there's a lot of speculation and there's a lot, we can get super deep in the end times trying to figure, we're trying to explain things we don't know how to explain. Well, I know my buddy was dead for six weeks and all of a sudden he shows up at my doorstep, said, I got up, Christ raised me from the dead. How the heck can I explain that to you this morning? I can't except saying it's the glory of God and it was revealed in a powerful way, but it happened. So there's going to come a time when Jesus returns where the dead in Christ will raise again, just like this instance. In the twinkling of an eye is what Scripture says. So it says, in one moment, he's back. We're ready or we're not. To those who have died, they've already made choices that are going to determine where they go for the rest of their life, which we'll talk about that next week, eternal judgment, what that means for, for, for those who've lived a life and what happens when you breathe your last but it says that he'll come back and, and those who are dead in Christ will raise first. And those who are here will meet, meet him in the sky. So let's look a little bit more. Chapter 15, we'll look at verse 12. So we talked about the resurrection of Christ. So this is the resurrection of the dead, which I said the two are always tied together. So if we look at verse 12. We'll look 12 through 27. I'm going to try to cruise through this. So it says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is less, is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, uh, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. So what is he saying? If Christ raised, the dead are going to raise. If the dead are, are rising, it's because Christ has risen. It's just solidifying what we've already been communicating the whole time. If Christ raised from the dead, the dead are going to raise from the dead. Okay? Um, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So it really says it's a broke gospel. That's what it means. If there is no resurrection, you're still in your fallen state. You're still in your sins. And then look what it says, verse 18. It says, and, and then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Okay? If only... If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than 
all men. If we've believed this system of salvation the whole time and it's false and we die and it's false, that's a horrible ending is what he's saying. But he's shaking the, the reality. He's, he's, he's kind of playing the devil's advocate here. He's saying if all of this was false, it would be horrible. Verse 20, but this is where everything shifts, right? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. You hear me? Let me say it one more time with that trumpet blast voice, okay? So we understand what we're saying. Verse 20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He was the first one to be raised from the dead to release the, the, the power to be, to be raised from the dead from, then, from that moment forth. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. Christ changed everything. When he completed the work, when he raised from the dead, he released everything into the earth that needed to happen, that we might have a hope and we might have a future. Verse 24, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom... Uh, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has, listen what he does. He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Everything. So we have to understand this process that, that Jesus is going to come back and he is going to clean house. The authority that the enemy had on this earth, you know, and is this resurrection talking about the same one that it talks about the thousand years ruling and reigning with Christ? There's a lot of similarities that the Bible talks about where he's going to come and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we're going to reign and rule victorious with Christ. I don't know if they're separate or they're the same. If I ever figure that out, I'll let you know. There's a lot of confusion as to when and how and all this happens, but we can take away that he's coming back. And he is going to come with mighty power released in the earth. And he will cause every dark, spirit, demonic force to, to yield to him under his feet. That, that, that word really symbolizes authority. Beneath my feet. He has trampled hell, death, and the grave. That's what he's going to come and do. Let's go to verse 52 in that same chapter. Verse 52, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, we're still there. Hopefully you didn't close your Bible, still there. It says in verse 52, it says, In the flash of a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, so all, all of this is interchangeable, at the last trumpet when he comes, he's going to come out of the sky, you're going to hear a trumpet blast, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So what is this talking about? We will be changed. Okay, it says, for the imperishable must be must clothe itself with the imperishable and the and the mortal with immortality. So that means what has been designed to die and live only a temporary life will now turn into this body that is intended to live forever. Do you hear me? You will live forever. The, the, the body, because the body is slowly degrading, it's dying from the moment of birth, you know, and we laugh about this all the time. We don't know where the... The peak of our life is like, okay, 
24 and whoa, this long downhill slope of life, right? But at some point, the reality, young kids, you don't know what we're talking about yet, but you get to a place of where your body starts slowing down and it just doesn't, you ache, you hurt, and you're just, you know, the body is built to wear out. And we have to understand that our bodies were built that way, but it's what it's saying. Once it dies and once it changes, that which is mortal has to become immortal. That which is perishing has to, has to be raised imperishable. Okay? So it says that uh, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with the immortal, and this is where it says, it says, death has swallowed, been swallowed up in victory. Okay, so if we look, if we back up just a little bit to verse uh, 40, it says there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. Guys, we're all living in the earthly bodies. It don't matter how heavenly body you think you got. Some are a little more boastful of that than others like, <laughs> look at me. Wait till we see our heavenly bodies. What is it going to look like? I have no clue, guys, but it's going to be built to live forever. It's going to be built to live in, in not just the natural, but the supernatural. It's going to be built to glorify God all the days of our lives as God intended it to be. This is the hope that we have in Christ of a changed body. Mark 13, 32 through 33, it says, No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. You do not know. I know that there's been, uh, in my lifetime, a lot of accusations that, oh, today's the end of the world. Still here. I'm not saying that we don't pay attention because the Bible does talk about to know the seasons, to know the changes, to, to pay attention. You know, before these cold fronts in Texas come in, we know they're coming. We see the dark clouds or we kind of, or if it's about to rain, you get this nice cool breeze and then you get the rain. And then what happens when the rain leaves? Humidity. <laughs> you know, we, we know what, what happens. You know, so just like that, the scripture does encourage us to be knowledgeable, to pay attention to these end time things. And I believe as Christians, we should not be naive as it, as it progresses out. And it... If you've read Revelations, you know what I'm talking about. That's the only way I know to tell you, you know, all of these things that it talks about that is going to happen. But God can give us wisdom in all of those things. But I know at the end, we are victorious. I'm not to fear. I'm not to fret. I'm not to feel like, man, it's going to be horrible. We're going to be out of control. No, God has everything in his hands. And if I'm dead, guess what, baby? When he comes back, I'll get up. If I'm alive, guess what? I'm going to go be with them anyway. I'm going to be caught up in the sky. I'm just going to have to watch everybody that died before me go first. And I don't know if that'll be like the moment. If you don't know the scriptures, I don't know if that would be like a momentary rapture moment where you're like, what about me? <laughs> you know, think of because it says they will rise and then you're caught up, you know, this Superman, like everybody's flying. You know, I just try to, you know, the wordage that the Bible uses will be caught up in the sky with him. But if I don't know the word, I'll be like, I got left. And then I'm crying and I'm halfway, maybe not. I'm okay. <laughs> because I don't know what the word of God says. But if Christ raised from the dead, I have the hope and the promise that I will be raised from the dead in the living or in the grave. To those who believe, this is basic foundational stuff. 
But I tell you what, it sure will give you peace if you know you're going to end up okay regardless of what happens. It scares the daylights out of me how to think somebody can live apart from salvation. I know many of people are scared into heaven. I've seen it. And that's the initial response, right? You're like, man, I, I'm going to serve God because I don't want to go to hell. That's the initial response. But I think God uses that, you know, that fear, maybe whatever. But it's not enough to be scared of hell to go to heaven. The only thing that'll get you there is a relationship with Christ. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to me except through the Son. Okay? But there, there you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, we can rest assured there's, there's more than enough passage here that suffices that, that Christ raised from the dead and so will I. Please rest assured in that. And, and if somebody asks you, what do we think happens when you die? Don't be scared. Say, I don't know. It's the easy cop out. I don't know. What do you think? I just, I just gave you enough scripture right here. If you go back and you'll read 1 Corinthians 15, there's tons of stuff in there. Just reassuring a resurrected king which reassures a resurrected body coming from a, from a natural body to a glorified body. It's going to be the best ever. New taste buds, super strong muscles, like all that. Think about it. A glorified body. What will it not do? I don't know. Will I ever have to go to the restroom anymore? I mean, just, okay, think, wait, I don't know. A glorified body, I can do what I want, you know, like, I never have to stop to, I didn't go to the restroom, no, I'm going to miss something. I don't know, you know, just think about it, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be, it's going to be great. But there is something in there that we have to understand about what the road looks like. It says that we would rule and reign with God. So whatever it looks like, we're going to be involved with God's continual plan. Not that, oh, I get to heaven, I'm going to go do what I want, no. If Jesus ain't the focus of your life right now, he will be when you get to heaven. He will be the focal, the center point, God and his glory, the Son, the Holy Spirit. will see them in full capacity without any limited understanding. And I can technically not process that. But we can hope on the promise that, that it will happen and that his word does say it will happen. If you want to go back and read a little bit more, Revelations 20, that, cut, that talks about the thousand-year rule with Christ. I'm not going to get into that. If you want to read it for yourself, it talks about, you know, it, it really is the same thing. He comes and we meet in the sky, so there's a lot of the same wordage. Where the heck that falls on the timeline, I don't know. It's beyond me. I'm not an end-time scholar. But that would give you a little bit more clarification. Also, one more passage, Daniel 12, 2, for all you Old Testament guys that like to say, well, where is this in the Old Testament? Daniel 12, 2, it says, Multitudes will sleep in the dust of the earth. It says, sorry, multitudes will sleep in the dust of the earth, will awake. It says, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is way back when. This was before Jesus came. So we have enough of the picture to know that we serve a resurrected king who will come for a resurrected bride. On this side of life or the grave, baby, we're going to make it. Okay? You guys stand up with me. Uh, We've got prayer teams available this morning. If, uh, 
If you have any prayer request, man, we just want to, the, the biggest thing we want to offer is that we can agree with you. If you want somebody to say, man, I've been dealing with this or I've been challenged with this and, and you need someone just to agree with you, we just want our, our prayer teams to be available for you. Um, and just anything that we can just encourage you with. But the takeaway today, when we talk about resurrection of the dead, Christ got up and so will we. Basic foundation. Can it get way deeper? Oh, yeah, it's way deeper. But these are the basic foundations. We want, to know, we want to know without a shadow of doubt that we believe that we will be resurrected. We will be resurrected. Father, I thank you for each one here this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them. Father, I pray that as they uh, meditate on the word themselves, God, that you would just bring it to life. Father, we ask that you would just... Uh, Show us what we need to see. Father, Lord, just guard our minds from running to rabbit trails of, of stirring fear and uncertainty. Lord, all of those things, Father, that don't glorify you, Lord. I pray that, that our minds would be controlled, Father, that they would conform to the, to the word. And Father, I pray that there would just be a spirit of peace and confidence in who you are in this place. That there wouldn't be a fear and shakening of an unknown God, Father, but we would learn to know you in this lifetime. So that when we are reunited with you, God, we wouldn't be completely surprised in who you are. But, Father, that we would just receive a, in a whole new capacity what you really do look like. So, Father, I pray for each one here that you'd bless them this week, that you'd encourage them, Father, that you would just... Uh, Father, I just speak against sickness in this place. I know there's a lot of allergies, congestion, all of those things. Father, we just relieve, release healing virtue in this place. Father, that uh, the body would function like it's supposed to, Lord. Father, we thank you for your hope and your promise. Father, for the promise of the resurrection of the dead and for a life redeemed by the Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.